my wife Becky and I have been married for a few years now. Uh, in fact, uh, last year we celebrated one of those special uh, anniversaries that comes with a zero at the end of it, and, and we were planning a trip. Uh, had planned it quite for quite some time, but then uh, COVID-19 interrupted all those plans, and we planned to take that trip at another time. But as I was uh, remembering that, uh, that trip that we wanted to plan, I was also remembering when we were newly engaged. And uh, I was already serving on the staff of a church here in the Indianapolis area, actually. And as, uh, as those people were so loving and gracious to me as their youth pastor, and they embraced my young fiancé, they decided to throw us a, a bridal shower. Um, and I, I didn't know that, you know, men got invited to those, but when a whole church shows it, in that particular church, everybody showed up. They had Sunday night church, and then after the service, everybody came, and they brought gifts, and they brought cards, and they did something that, that I, I don't know that I've seen done anywhere else. What they did was the couples in the church who had been married for a long time, in fact, some of them, even longer than Becky and I have been married now, were, were there, and they, they sat Becky and me in the front of the room, and they began to share as a congregation, as couples, the advice that they, they would give to us. Now, some of them were having fun. It was, it was, you know, a lot of joking and that kind of thing, but some of them were, were quite serious. And finally, they came to one couple, elderly couple, who had just celebrated their 70th anniversary. And these two people who were just still very much in love and very faithful and just two of the sweetest people you'd ever want to meet were sitting there and they turned to Becky and me. Here we were in our early 20s about to get married and, and someone was emceeing the program and they turned, his name was Brother Henry, and they turned to Brother Henry and they said, Brother Henry, what would you tell Carrie? about being a husband and staying married to the same woman for his entire life. And he leaned over, he's a rather tall man, and, and he looked over at me and he said, young man, what I would tell you is simply this. Before you ever say a cross word, leave your home and walk until you don't want to say it anymore. And we all went, oh, well, that, that sounds profound. Before I say a crossword, I, I should leave my home and walk around the block. And then he smiled, the biggest smile I've ever seen in my life, and said, and young man, I have walked thousands and thousands of miles in 70 years. <laughs> and so I, I remember him because I, now that Becky and I have not been married 70 years, but have been married a long time, I, uh, I know there are days I probably should have taken his advice and uh, taken some space, taken a walk before I actually reacted because my temperament is such that I, I do react quite quickly to things, and I'm very grateful. I'm, I'm very grateful for a wife who puts up with me when I do that, but I'm also I'm very grateful to a Savior who puts up with me. Today we want to talk about what it means to, to live in a relationship with Jesus Christ. As we move into the unknown, to, to, to live in a relationship with Jesus that lasts. 
You see, my, my concern is this. After a few decades of ministry, I, I've seen lots of people come to the front of auditoriums or tabernacles and camp meetings or at youth camps and, and bow a knee and, and confess Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and, and get up and promise, I'm going to do better. I'm going to make it. And yet, like some of the marriages that I've seen where people didn't make it, I've seen some professions of faith in Jesus Christ where people didn't make it. They, 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 they meant well. They had every intention of doing all that God had asked them to do. They, they wanted to be who He wanted them to be. And, and, yet, and yet, as they moved into the unknown, things happened in their life and they, they slipped away from what they had promised to do. And so this morning, I want, us to, I want us to take a few minutes, look into the life of Paul and Barnabas and the early church in the book of Acts, and, and gather from their story lessons for our story. Uh, maybe it'll be something as simple as walking around the block before you say what you need to say, or maybe it'll be something as profound as learning how to last with Jesus. Listen to the story. Where we left off last Sunday, Paul and Barnabas had shaken the dust off their feet, which is a, a custom of saying, hey, we're not responsible for you anymore in the town of Antioch and Pisidia after the opposition there. And they had moved on to a, a place called Iconium. And, and listen to what they did in Iconium in Acts chapter 14. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believe. It, it sounds just like what happened for them in Antioch Pisidian. They go to Iconium, they go into the synagogue where the Jewish believers in the town would gather on the Sabbath, and they spoke about who Jesus was. And many of the Jewish people in the synagogue and some of the God-fearers, the, the Gentiles who were not Jewish but who were curious, were there listening, and, and they also believed in Jesus Christ. But listen to the next part. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat Paul and Barnabas and to stone them, Paul and Barnabas learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, the cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now, the phrase in this story that, that captivates me as I read it this week is that phrase in verse 3 where it says, so Paul and Barnabas remained for a long time. See, I think there's an art to remaining. Jesus tells us in John chapter 15 that he's the vine and we're the branches and, and that his father is the, our father, God is, is the gardener, and he, and he prunes us back and forth for what we need for further growth. And, and, and in, that same, in that same analogy, uh, Jesus says to us as his followers, if you abide in me 
and my words abide in you, then, then you will bear much fruit. You see, what my friend Brother Henry was trying to tell me as a young man from his perspective as a man who had been married for 70 years was that there's an art to this abiding and that there's an art form to, to lasting in relationships. And quite honestly, in a world of throwaway relationships, in, in a world where we use people instead of, instead of loving people, we're in, a, in a world where we think everybody else exists to meet our needs instead of, instead of us existing in, in unity and love with them to meet the plans and dreams of God, then there's, there's a tendency. Uh, there's a tendency not to abide. Uh, th there's a tendency not to last. But lasting in Jesus, finding the, the beauty of who He is, is something that can sustain you, sustain you through everything in life. A few weeks ago, I, I was honored to uh, officiate a, a funeral service for uh, a member of our congregation. In fact, over the last few weeks, we've had a, a number of funerals here within the East Side family. And this particular one was for a lady who's been in this church longer than I've been pastor. She was in her 80s. And there were a couple of things about her funeral that were, were really, really humbling to me. One was when I sat with her children, and they said, uh, Pastor, we just want you to know. Our, our, mother, our mother had a, a prayer room, a prayer closet, a physical room in her house where where she prayed every day. And, and, and that's not uncommon, we know, Pastor, except that, that she prayed on her knees every day until she was 83 years of age. 83 years of age. One of, the, one of her daughters said to me, Pastor, I'm not near that old and I can't get on my knees and get up now. But every day, her mother had prayed for her, for her sibling for her grandchildren, for us. And she held her mother's Bible, and she brought out two things from it. One was a, a sheet of paper folded over, and in teeny tiny handwritten print, uh, our dear friend had, had listed her prayer list, the people she was praying for. I, I cannot tell you how moving it was for me to see my name on that list of that lady who, who prayed for me every day and who prayed for this church and who prayed for the ministries of this church and the missionaries that we support and, and for this community. And to know that every day she, she knelt on her knees and she lifted you and me and many others before God. And and to know that she's not alone, that there, there are literally dozens of people who do that from this congregation. And, and I tell you her story because she left a note to her children. And the note simply said this, I want you to know that Jesus has been faithful to me through all of my life. I, I knew the lady well enough to know that not everything in her life was easy. I knew the lady well enough to know she'd had some heartaches and some, and some heartbreaks, and yet she wanted her children to know 
that the Jesus that she could pray to, the Jesus she could pray with, the place she could go for that kind of relationship that throughout her entire life, from the time she was a young girl and asked Jesus into her life, throughout all the ups and downs and twists and turns and trials of life into the unknown that all of us face, she had discovered that, that Jesus was faithful to her and he had been her faithful friend. So this morning, I, I'm captivated by, by the story of Paul and Barnabas in this town of Iconium, where the pattern seems to be the same as Antioch Pisidian, uh, where they come in, they, they talk to the Jewish people in the synagogue, they share the gospel, some people believe in Jesus Christ, they accept Jesus Christ, and, and, then, and, and then the opposition arises. But what captivates me about the story the most is, is the way that they responded. See, when they left Antioch Pisidian, they, they, they left and they shook the dust off their feet. But now, when, they, when they're here in Iconium, uh, Paul and Barnabas take a different approach. You see, what happened in Iconium was that they saw the impact of the opposition on, on the people who had just come to faith in Jesus. Let me, let me read it for you again, all right? Now, at Iconium, they entered into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Now, now here's the important part of this. It wasn't that they poisoned their mind against Paul and Barnabas. That wasn't why Paul and Barnabas stayed. They didn't stay in Iconium in order to defend themselves. They didn't stay in Iconium in order to bastion their position. No, no, no. See, what they discovered was that when these people accepted Jesus, then there were other people who came along and said, no, no, you, you can't make it. You won't last. And, and they began to argue with them. And so what Paul and Barnabas perceived was that that they needed, to, they needed to stay longer in order to help the brothers who were being undermined in their faith. Because you see, what Paul and Barnabas were discovering, and what we know from their life now in retrospect, is that lasting with Jesus is the result of making other-based decisions. You see, when we come to Jesus and we give Him all of our life, before, before that time, we've been people who made decisions for ourselves. We've been, we've been people who've, who've made the decision based on what's best for me, always me, always what's best for me. But in Jesus, in, in Jesus, uh, we're taught to make our decisions on what's good for others. And making other-based decisions is, is what allows the relationship to grow. It, it's what allows us to step into the unknown knowing that we're not alone. And, and I think that's a, that's a huge thing in the church these days for us to, to realize that, that this saving knowledge of Jesus isn't just for us. We don't make our decisions once we accept Jesus just for me. 
No, Christianity's not that narcissistic. It, it's not that self-centered. No, no, what we want to figure out is, is that when we, when, we, when we enter into this relationship with Jesus, then, then we come into the place where, where that relationship cares for others. Not so that someone will say, oh, you're a caring person, but, but so that others will be built up in their faith. Paul and Barnabas had already been through opposition in Antioch, Pisidia, and they understood what was going to happen, but they didn't want that for the brothers who had just become believers, and so, so they stepped into a role of staying longer in the place in order to build someone else up. I want to ask you this morning, as we're still in the first few weeks of 2021, as, as we're headed into a future that we don't really know, as we're still waiting for the release from the pandemic that this virus has held over our culture. I just want to ask you, are you making your decisions based on what's good for others? Or is every decision you're making based on what's good for you? Because if, if you want to last with Jesus, if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus, if you want to be a person who is, who is always finding Jesus faithful to you, then, then what you need to figure out is that making self-centered decisions won't grow that relationship. Making self-centered decisions won't grow you as a follower of Jesus Christ. No, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are to, yes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. See, it's not either or, it's, it's both and. And, and your decision-making, the, you, the more you focus on God, the, the more you allow Him in control of your life, then, then the more you discover the lasting life with Jesus considers others before yourself. We, we're living in an age right now where, where everybody's very, very concerned about their rights, about what, what their rights are. And, and I just need to be honest with you. If you really read the Gospels, if you really understand the message that we, without Jesus, are lost, if you really understand that without the grace of God demonstrated in the, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I, what we deserve, we, we really don't want what we deserve. The psalmist was very clear about that when he, when he said, no, God doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead, He gives us grace. You don't want a God who gives you what you deserve. You want to follow the God who is other-based, the God who makes his decisions in that way because that's the God of grace and that's the God of mercy. And so for you and for me, learning how to live in a lasting relationship with Jesus, it's, it starts with making other-based decisions like the one that Paul and Barnabas made. And when you do that, when you decide to, to make other-based decisions, then you, you come to the place where, where you're willing to speak boldly. 
You're, you're willing, to, you're willing to, to say the truth. See, lasting with Jesus allows us to, to speak the truth. It, it allows us to speak into, into the world around us, into the other people around us. Let me, let me show you what I mean. Verse 3 of Acts chapter 14. So Paul and Barnabas remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. See, because they had been at Antioch, because they had seen what happened there, and because they were committed to following Jesus Christ, and they had experienced the difference He made in their life, and they didn't want these new believers to, to have their faith snatched away from them, then, then as, they, as they made other base decisions and stayed there for a long period of time, Paul and Barnabas became people, people who spoke more boldly about who Jesus is, P people who spoke more about the truth of Jesus. And they spoke with confidence about who Jesus was and what Jesus was about. And, and, and as they did that, others came to follow Jesus. I, I, think, I think perhaps in a, a world like the one we're living in right now, uh, those of us who have, who have been on our knees regularly for a long time, those of us who, who understand what it means to make our decisions with a heart for the other, then, then we are in a season where it's time for us to speak truth with confidence. God can be trusted. I know there are opinions flying everywhere, but right now what, what we need is not one more person's opinion. What we need is God's truth. I have an acquaintance, uh, a pastor that have, our paths have crossed a few times. And I love to hear him speak because when he speaks, he always, he always makes this comment. I want us to look into God's Word because if God's Word doesn't say anything, I don't have anything to say. And so this morning, I, I, I would say to you, in this book, there is truth. In this book, there is, there is objective truth, truth that cares about others. And it's not dependent upon your mood. It's not dependent upon your feelings. It's not for, dependent upon your thoughts about it. No, there is, there, there is a subjectivity about Christianity. There is a personal experience about it. But there is, a, there is an objectivity about the truth of who God is. And what Paul and Barnabas discovered is when they, when they made their decisions in an other-based fashion, and, and they began to speak with more confidence the truth about who Jesus was, then, then what Jesus did was He began to, to demonstrate that truth. He began to honor those decisions, and He did it in such a way that, that they could trust His processes, that they, they could trust what He was going to do. I mean, look, look at what Luke tells us. After they spoke more boldly for the Lord, the witness to His Word of grace, God began granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. See, if, if you trust the processes of God, if you, 
if you speak the truth of God with confidence. Even if the entire world is turning its back on God. What, what God promises to do for you and me is, is to work in our lives, to, to have those, those moments when, when we're able to sit down and, and say, you know what? Jesus has been faithful to me in spite of me. Jesus has been good to me in spite of the times I've not been good to him. Jesus, Jesus has been my faithful friend when, when I've stayed connected to him. See, lasting with Jesus isn't about finding your next religious fix. It isn't about your, your next spiritual high. It's not, about, it's not about going from one moment to another moment and continually feeling good about Jesus. No, no. Lasting with Jesus is about letting Jesus live inside of you so that you make other-based decisions, preferring others to yourself. So, so that you speak the truth of God's Word with confidence that, 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 that that's truth. And, and that when you do that, you, you learn what it means to trust the processes of God to work in your life. It doesn't mean you won't have opposition. I mean, look at the story. The people of the city were divided. Some of them sided with the Jews and some with Paul and Barnabas. And when there was an attempt made, by both the unbelieving Gentiles and the unbelieving Jews, along with the rulers of the city of Iconium, to mistreat Paul and Barnabas and to stone them. They found out about it, and they left the city. They fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. But get this, they didn't leave licking their wounds. They didn't leave shouting bitter statements over their shoulders. No, no, they left and continued to preach the gospel, the good news. See, God, God wants you to know how much he loves you. As you walk into the unknown of the days that lie ahead, he wants you to discover that he loves you. He loves you enough you can love others. He loves you enough you can put others ahead of yourself and make decisions on their behalf out of your life, sacrificing your needs, your desires for their growth in Christ. And that the more you do that, the more you're going to be able to speak truth with confidence. And you're going to watch and learn and see that God's processes, they can be trusted because God himself can be trusted. And if you sat down and tried to think of all the reasons that you have to trust him, there would be more reasons than you've ever, ever known. So this morning, what I want to invite you to do is to learn to last with Jesus. If you're on the brink right now, 
If you're on that tipping place where you think, you know what, I tried church and it just didn't work for me, then, then quit trying church and start trying Jesus. If, if, you're, if you're on that, that tipping point right now where life is hard and the opposition is strong, I want to encourage you. Remember that Jesus loves you and He cares for you and He will never leave you or forsake you. So that someday, like my 83-year-old friend, you will be able to write on a piece of paper, Jesus has been a faithful friend to me. Or someday, like my friend who was married for 70 years, you will find the joy of walking with Jesus all of your life. Would you pray with me? Abba, Papa, Heavenly Father, thank you that Paul and Barnabas saw the need in Iconium for the new believers and they stayed for quite a while. Thank you that you don't invite us into a relationship with you that is temporary and fleeting and passing, but instead you, you invite us into an eternal relationship with you one that supersedes all the heartache and all the trials of this life. And today I, I'm asking you for the people who are listening to my voice, for those who are watching this live stream, Lord, I'm asking you to teach all of us how to last with Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us into that kind of depth of relationship. For it's in his strong name that we pray. Amen.